You are listening to the American Truth Project Podcast. Hi, ladies, and you who skip golf. It's great to be with you today. Uh, I've got a lot to talk about, and that's why I was asking how much time I was going to have, because there's so much to cover, um, especially with what's happened this morning in Belgium. So I'm going to give you a kind of an overview, and then we'll get right into it. So first thing I want to talk about is the primaries. That's what I've been on KUSI. I actually was on three times last week, Sunday, uh, Wednesday, and Friday, doing political commentary. I'm going to teach you about Hillary's um, legal situation and by the time we finish, you're going to be an expert on why she is going to go to jail. Um, we're, we're going to talk about Muslim immigration and why it is so critical you understand that and why you understand that what is happening in Europe is going to be here next if we don't do something about it, and I mean act quickly. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, it was discussed by every candidate that appeared yesterday at APAC in Washington, and I'm going to teach you about that a little bit. If we have time, I'll get into Apple versus the feds and why that's a constitutional issue that has to do with certain rights to privacy. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about American Truth Project and then a little bit about uh, an event we're having in our house this week. Um, my associate Sutton has some sign-ups that she can walk around with if you'd like to get on our mailing list and you can get access to speeches I make and presentations that are sent around the world and I send all that stuff out all the time so if you give us our give us your email I'd be happy to include you in that. Okay so let's get right into it and talk about the elections. Um, right now delegate count as of this morning and I say this morning because it's changing right now uh, in Arizona and in Utah. Um, Trump is at 678, Cruz is at 423, Kasich's at 143. Um, I'm not sure what that means. Um, in my opinion, at this point, um, John Kasich is running for vice president, and I think he's doing an excellent job of not offending anybody along the way. Um, Chris Christie apparently is being discussed um, as Attorney General, and uh, Dr. Ben Carson is either going to end up being Surgeon General or uh, Secretary of Education. Um, based on national polling, if they continue uh, exactly the way they are, uh, Donald Trump will get to the requisite 1,237 delegates by the convention, and by that much, it'll be that close. And guess what? It's going to come right down to you ladies in California, because June 6th will decide who the nominee will be or who the nominee will not be. It's going to be the closest math in decades. Um, tonight, the big prize is Arizona. Arizona is a winner-take-all state. That means whoever wins gets all 58 delegates. Um, Trump is polling way out ahead, and uh, barring some weird occurrence, he's going to take all those delegates. Um, Utah is not a winner-take-all state unless somebody gets to 50% plus one, and right now, uh, Ted Cruz is polling just over that. So depending on what happens in the caucuses, he will either end up with all the Utah delegates, or he'll get um, a proportion of them. Thank <laughs> you. 
interesting uh, over the last 24 hours a number of very important speeches were just made at the APAC National Convention I'm normally there um, it's just gotten so big it's it's very very hard to get close to people and and get up to um, the important seminars so I watched it live yesterday it was actually carried live on about five networks and streamed um, on an inside note, my very close friend, uh, Dr. Walid Faraz, was just appointed Trump's uh, Middle East policy advisor, and the fellow that helped write Trump's speech yesterday is close to uh, a very close friend of mine, so I will have influence at least on that side. Um, Ted Cruz has appointed uh, another friend of mine as his national security policy advisor who served under President Reagan, so I will have influence if either one of those gentlemen get elected. Uh, here's what's really important right now. Uh, just one takeaway from APAC yesterday. Everybody defended the American-Israel relationship very strongly, except there was huge silence in the room when Hillary Clinton defended the Iran nuclear deal. The whole room got quiet because they understand it is the worst betrayal uh, of American foreign policy at least since the 1930s and I'm going to explain that in a few minutes. First to wrap up on politics, um, just some interesting news now and then I'm going to comment on it. When you poll nationally Kasich against Hillary, who wins? Do you know? Kasich by a lot. When you poll Cruz against Hillary, who wins? Cruz by a little. When you poll Trump against Hillary, who wins? Hillary by a ton. Now, let me tell you why none of that matters, okay? The Republicans have not gone after Hillary on three things that she's incredibly vulnerable on. Number one, her email. You're going to learn about that in a second. No one has gone after her on that. It's going to destroy her credibility. The Democrats internally poll very, very negative on her honesty, her veracity, her believability. Ironically, an avowed socialist slash communist polls 10 times her level of honesty and believability, and that's Bernie Sanders. That's how much her own party doesn't trust her. Now, keep in mind, in the general election in November, it doesn't matter what the Republicans do, it doesn't matter what the Democrats do. It matters what the middle does. There are so many undecided voters in this country. Until those people move either left or right, we won't know who the next president's going to be. The assumption is the Democrats will turn out for Hillary no matter what she does, to whomever she does it, and likewise for the Republicans, unless there's a split at the convention, which we can talk talk about it if we have time at the end. It's the middle that matters, and that's why those issues are going to change the polling once there is a GOP nominee. Okay? So for right now, ignore those polls, because there hasn't been a everybody against Hillary on a national stage yet. It hasn't occurred. When it does, the polling's going to change. Now let me tell you why the email is so important, and why you've been lied to for a long time about it. 
When I served on the fair board, um, I, I served for four different gubernatorial administrations here in California. Uh, a fellow served with me for 10 of those years who's an admiral in the Navy. And he gave me a real education on, on the secrecy clauses that people within the United States government have to sign. Um, within the armed services, above a certain rank in the Navy, it's a captain, which is a big rank in, in the Navy. Um, and in State Department, anybody uh, with any clearance has to sign very, very, very strict non-disclosure agreements and agreements regarding uh, the ability to, to uh, collect and protect national secrets. Now, I'm sure you've all heard on the mainstream press a lot of Hillary saying, well, all those emails that were on my server were not classified when they were on my server, so I didn't do anything wrong. Has everybody heard that story? Okay. It's complete BS. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The law says it doesn't matter. Learn that, memorize that, and you can educate other people about it. What the law says is, you're responsible for any information in your possession, whether or not it is classified at the time you have it, because you are deemed to know what should be and what should not be disseminated openly. So in other words, if, if you're in a meeting and somebody leaves something on your desk, about troop movements or CIA operatives or arms sales or whatever and you put it in your drawer after reading it you're in possession of top secret information now the server that Hillary Clinton is acknowledged to have used get this was a regular computer sitting in the closet of an apartment in Colorado on an open network that allegedly has been seized on and hacked by the North Koreans, the Chinese, the Russians, and the Iranians. There are over 2,200 emails that have been turned over to state by Hillary Clinton that have some degree of classification on them. Now there's secret, there's top secret, and above top secret, which is SAP, Special Access Program, that is so top secret that the Inspector General for the Department of State, who has a top secret clearance, could not read those emails because they are so sensitive to the security of this country. And they sat in a server, in a closet, in an apartment in Colorado, on an unprotected network. You getting that? This has never happened in American history. The closest story like this in recent history is General Petraeus, who I'm sure you've heard of, who was a highly decorated and very highly uh, regarded military leader who, for breaching with eight emails, lost his career and rightly so, and was humiliated for sharing those with his mistress slash biographer. There are 2,200 emails that are classified and several dozen SAP. Now, what the Admiral told me is normally the way SAP is delivered is a courier comes in to you and hands it to you and waits while you read it. <laughs> You are not allowed to have a pen, 
or a pencil or paper or a recording device within reach. And when you're done reading it, you hand it back to the courier and he or she leaves with it. They are not to be disseminated. They are not to be sent out. They are not to be copied because they have to do with ongoing current events in the military or in the covert operations of the United States of America. And there are several dozen SAP on there. Every one of them is a felony. And she's facing somewhere around 600 years in prison right now. So just to be clear, if you remember last fall, the Senate subpoenaed Brian Magliano. Do you know who he is? He was the State Department employee that ran her email. Okay. What did he do when he was subpoenaed? Anybody remember? Exactly right. He pled the fifth. Why? Because we have a protection under the Fifth Amendment of the Constitution that says you cannot be forced to incriminate yourself and rightly so. If the government can prove it, they can prove it. But you don't have to confess. And that was the difference between us and Britain in 1776. By the way, I've been to the real Green Dragon in Boston. It's really cool. Um, little sidelight. So what did the FBI do? The FBI went to Brian Magliano and they made a deal with his lawyers and they gave him full immunity and he is testifying what was on that server and how it was set up and who got to read it and why and what he was ordered to do. And the rumor out of the FBI is an indictment request is being prepared right now to go to justice by May. Here's what's weird. On a local level, the police departments or the sheriff's department is the investigatory arm and they're the policing arm and when they arrest somebody who do they go to for an indictment the district attorney and the district attorney either indicts or doesn't indict right sometimes grand jury sometimes they don't need it on the federal level that's the department of justice the head of the justice department is a very very long-term democratic friend of the president of the united states so what happens when she gets the indictment request and doesn't indict or sits on it or puts it in a drawer literally and says no we're not going to or i have more informational requests or there are procedures to be looked at or our lawyers are reviewing and it gets her past the election let me tell you what the FBI says they're going to do. The rumor out of the FBI from a number of sources is if there is not an indictment issued because the charges are so extreme and so well documented, the FBI will leak the indictment request to the press as early as next month, end of May. That would be extraordinary. And then it would blow up Hillary Clinton's nomination and then the Democrats will, in my opinion, draft Joe Biden. They will never let Bernie Sanders run. He would be crushed. He wouldn't carry one electoral vote. And rightly so. I mean, he's about as un-American as they come. So having said that, if it doesn't happen and she does get the nomination, Believe me, whether it's Ted Cruz, who is a brilliant, and I mean that literally, a brilliant constitutional scholar and lawyer and debater, John Kasich, who's Mr. Nice Guy until he gets a hold of this, and, and honestly, Donald Trump will eat her alive with this evidence. 
when when this becomes the opening 10 minutes of every single statement any one of those candidates make after the convention the middle that we talked about a minute ago will not vote for her because she's a criminal and she deserves to be in jail and that doesn't include Benghazi and all the other weird stuff at the Clinton Foundation donations from countries that we were opposed to that were involved in terrorism that all of a sudden got passes at state by coincidence okay let's talk about something different we know what happened this morning as of me being outside in the parking lot in Brussels, there are 31 or so dead. There's about 200 in the hospital based on the two terror attacks that took place at the Brussels airport and slightly uh, thereafter at the main um, subway station in Brussels. Um, they released pictures of two of the people that were pushing suitcases that were filled with nails and high explosives that detonated themselves and literally blew apart the airport. ISIS has claimed full responsibility and is bragging now that it will be a major recruiting tool for ISIS. Besides it being a tragedy for European civilization, why does it matter to you? Because it's coming here and it's already here. Let me give you some evidence of what's happened to Europe since they had their open door immigration policy. And I hope this scares you to death. In Sweden, in the last 90 days, there have been over 5,000 incidents involving migrants where the police responded. They've gone to 600 assaults, rapes, bomb threats, and over 450 fights. There have been 194 violent threats, 58 fires, and nine robberies. Have you heard about the ISIS booklet that these people are carrying? Uh, ISIS has written a booklet in Arabic that has been taken off dozens of people in Europe and it's been found at the border in Texas when people are being apprehended and it's found in the dirt by uh, our immigration um, border patrol. And it's a handbook on how these people are supposed to blend in once they get into their country of asylum in Western Europe. And they're supposed to shave their beards and they're supposed to wear a crucifix around their neck and they're supposed to speak the native language and they're not supposed to pray in public and they're supposed to stay away from mosques and they're supposed to behave like they belong in Sweden or Germany or Norway or Finland or England. In fact, what they're supposed to do, quote, is avoid looking like a Muslim, pretend to be a Christian. It explains that nightclubs where there are loud music and drunk people are the perfect places to discuss terror plans without being recorded or snooped on. Hundreds of these booklets have been found and taken off people that have been arrested. So don't you think for a second that these are just people fleeing. They are not refugees. A refugee stops being a refugee when they are in a country where they're no longer under attack or threat of imminent violence, and then they become an immigrant. They could be in Syria or Turkey or Saudi Arabia or Libya or the UAE or Qatar right now. They're going to Europe for two reasons. One, Europe is stupid enough 
to take them all in without paperwork, without identification, without any way to know who or what they are. And number two, the purpose of ISIS is to destroy Western civilization and, and reestablish the caliphate. That's their goal. If you want to read it, go on the internet. They have a website and they tell you exactly what they're planning to do. So what's the European response? Well, in Sweden, they're going to take in 200,000 people this year. The Swedish Social Democratic Foreign Minister says their country, which now has a population of 9.8 million, will cause the country to collapse, in her opinion. By the way, 190 to 200,000 refugees in Sweden is the equivalent in the United States of about 6.5 million people or the population of Indiana every year. And that's one country. They are getting food, shelter, education, and health care, and they don't work, and they don't assimilate. They don't have to do anything. In fact, they're very, they're very um, fussy about where they go. 30 asylum seekers last month refused to get off a bus when they were taken to a campground because they wanted to be in the main city where the rest of their people were. Everybody knows what happens New, happened New Year's Eve in Cologne, Germany. The, the, the mass sexual assault and rape fest perpetrated by several thousand Muslim men. The Cologne mayor, you should remember this name, Henrietta Recker, has issued a booklet in German explaining why these rapes were caused by German women and how German women from now on should change their dress, change their appearance, and change their behavior in public so as not to entice more sexual assaults. That's the response. The German men came out by the thousands into the streets and were water cannoned by the police as a result. Um, in Oslo, Norway, the professor of anthropology there uh, said that the high incidence of Muslims raping Norwegian women is not um, the Muslims' fault, but the Norwegian women should take their fair share of responsibility because Muslim men find their appearance in public to be provocative. And Norwegian women, she counsels, must realize we live in a multicultural society and we have to adapt to it. That's the Norwegian response. Sweden now has the highest incidence of rape in the world after South Africa. It's 600% greater than the United States. Statistics now suggest one out of every four Swedish women will be raped in her lifetime. Talk about penalties, there was a trial concluded at the end of last year. Um, six teenage boys gang raped a 15-year-old um, Swedish girl. And the trial just concluded five of them were convicted on all charges and received 100 hours of community service. The six that did the really bad stuff got slightly more than 100 hours of community service. Um, there's, I'll tell you one more case. I've got dozens of these. There was um, an Iraqi immigrant, Majid, who was 17 years old. He stabbed his um, sister 107 times because she fled a forced marriage in Iraq, embarrassed the family, and came back to Sweden. Uh, he got four years for premeditated murder. 
the idea was that it was um, religiously based and so he didn't deserve the full murder punishment that normally you get in Sweden. Uh, the Islamic Mufti in Copenhagen uh, publicly has been declaring that um, women that refuse to wear headscarves in public in Copenhagen, Denmark are, quote, asking for rape. So what's going on here? Almost every single American governor, with the exception of our governor, has said, please don't bring these people to our country because every major security expert in the United States on the federal level has said we cannot vet them. To vet someone means to be able to figure out who they are, what they are, what their intentions are, and what their background is. They're coming from a place where there is no computer system most of them are from Syria, we think, and there's no government. So there's, there's no way to call Damascus and say, who's this guy? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? So we, we're just letting them in. I, I gave a speech that um, some of you may have seen in front of the um, Republican Women's Federation of Southern California, and a number of ladies came up to me uh, that are from San Bernardino, and they said, it's terrifying in some places. There's whole communities that have been moved in and nobody got asked. And that's where the mass murder was a couple months ago. For people that we didn't know their background. And there was no way to check their background. Okay, let's talk about Iran for a second. Um, every candidate yesterday at APAC talked about this, what a horrible deal it is, with the exception of Hillary Clinton that defended it because she was involved in it and refuses to back down on it. Um, the agreement is technically called the JCPOA, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, and it's signed supposedly by all the parties, and it, it, it obligates the United States primarily to do a lot of things for Iran. And it was signed by the President of the United States, and it was adopted by a UN resolution. Do you know who never signed it? Anybody? Iran never signed it. In fact, Iran rejected it. Ayatollah Khamenei said he'll never sign it. And the parliament rejected it as well. So this agreement began as a treaty when Obama was in the Rose Garden about seven months ago and said we've reached this agreement and it's going to be historic and it's going to do all these things. Every single thing, if you go back and watch that Rose Garden speech that he promised, has never happened. And it went from a treaty to an agreement to an understanding, to a series of discussion points where it is now. So when you read in the news, the Iran nuclear deal, stop and realize, oh, wait a minute, Barry told me there is no Iran nuclear deal. To have a deal, two parties, two sides have to agree to something. So Iran made a lot of noise like they were cooperating, and what did we do? Before they had reached any of the milestones, we gave them $150 billion, the largest single transfer of wealth in world history. And what are they doing with the money? Oh, this is really bad news. And this is stuff that, that people really, really ought to know about. They, they've just concluded the largest purchase of advanced Chinese fighter jets in history. These jets are pretty much as good as anything we produce because the, most of the designs were stolen from General Dynamics in Fort Worth, Texas. They bought the advanced Russian missile system. They're buying Korean ICBMs. 
And supposedly, according to Israeli intelligence, they've accessed Pakistani nuclear trigger mechanisms, and they already have them. Now, if this wasn't bad enough, there's a big middle finger that comes up every week or two out of Tehran. Every time they put another missile in orbit, these are ICBMs that are in direct violation of half a dozen UN resolutions and probably the JCPOA because under the JCPOA you're not allowed to do missile testing on any missile that could conceptually carry a nuclear tip. All of these could. So what does Iran say every time Secretary Kerry makes an objection? Well, we didn't put a nuclear a device on the head of the missile and we're not testing for nuclear development. So what do we do? Nothing. What has the UN done? Nothing. The UN Inspector General found and released a report last month that said they've had a covert nuclear weapons development program for 18 years. And Kerry came out and said there's no nuclear weapons program in Iran and there never has been. So after all these missile tests and all these weapons purchases, the last straw as far as the Senate was concerned was when Iran decided to start paying Palestinian martyrs to go kill Israelis. Um, a couple people mentioned this in yesterday's speech. Iran is transferring $7,000 to every Palestinian who dies trying to kill an Israeli. And if their home, after they're killed, gets demolished, the family gets $30,000 from Iran. That's where your $150 billion is being spent. So the Senate Foreign, Service, uh, Foreign Relations Committee called the Secretary of State before them and said, look at all these things Iran's doing. We're going to sanction them. You know what Kerry's response was? He, and I wrote about this. He pleaded with the Senate not to sanction Iran. Pleaded with them to the point where numerous normally moderate papers like the Washington Post wrote articles asking who is Kerry working for? I have no idea. I've never seen anything like it. Um, I can tell you at least a little bit of insight. I had um, dinner with a leading House Democrat uh, last month and I asked him, who by the way is opposed to the nuclear deal, he's one of the few in the House that didn't side with the President, and he said, we Democrats in the House are absolutely convinced John Kerry is running for the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> and will do anything to secure his place in history with that prize. So I, I, I don't want to get into too much more detail, but it might be interesting for you to know that Ayatollah Khomeini has, has made nine uh, declarations that if the Iran nuclear deal was changed that he would sign it. And the declarations are so outlandish they've never been published openly in the United States. I, I wrote an article about it and I can send you the link if you want to read it. But it's, it's, it's like a comedy show, you know, that if anyone ever sanctions Iran, the deal's off. If we are ever threatened with sanctions, the deal's off. If money is ever withheld that should be ours, the deal's off. If anyone wants to interfere with any of our weapons purchases, the deal's off. It's like wild outlandish demand on top of wild outlandish demand and it's not in the press at all because the press is buying the White House line that this is a good deal.
And anyone that tells you it is, is either uninformed or an idiot. It is the worst sellout of American foreign policy, in my opinion, since Hitler was given Czechoslovakia by the British, which resulted a few months later in the invasion of Poland in 1939. This is that bad. Because if they continue with what they're doing, they will have a full nuclear weapons program for sure when the deal expires, because they're guaranteed that right under the deal. Did you hear what I said? Guaranteed. They guarantee, they're guaranteed a nuclear weapons program, and possibly quite soon, if they do it covertly. We're not allowed in any of the sites in Iran to check on them. Did you know that Americans are banned from inspection forever in Iran? And no American is allowed on Iranian soil to inspect any site that has a nuclear program on it forever. It's part of the deal, Kerry signed. And the international inspectors are not allowed to go into any nuclear, I'm sorry, any military bases. Do you realize all the main centrifuges are on military bases? Underground? It just boggles the mind when you think what our Secretary of State agreed to. I won't go into all the things that the IAEA Inspector General found, but it's really bad and there's a whole lot of it. And the UN was expected to sanction Iran and they just never did and they probably never will. I can tell you that one of the good benefits of all this is that, and I, I met with the Israeli ambassador on this three, four months ago, Saudi Arabia, who's terrified of Iran, is now cooperating with Israel on a mutual defense air campaign to figure out what to do about Iran because they're both scared to death. Okay, so Iran's spending all this money. They're buying weapons like crazy. We're doing nothing about it. I can't wait for November so that somebody that has a brain will inhabit the White House and cancel this deal such as it is on the first day. And we really need that to happen. And it can happen. By the way, anyone that tells you it's too late, there's nothing we can do if Europe doesn't cooperate, that's complete BS. We control the International Bank of Settlements. We can cut their money off in 15 minutes. And their economy will stop instantly. And if we don't get full access to every base where all the nuclear programs are, ratchet them up. And eventually, they'll be inside of a box and they'll have to cooperate. Right? And in that sense, I think Trump is right. Make it really, really, really tough not to cooperate. Um, let's talk about Apple for a minute. Um, when the terrorists that did this mass murder in San Bernardino were stumbled upon by police on the highway by accident and were killed, there was an iPhone that they crushed, stepped on actually. And it had about 18 minutes, they think, of text messages between the head guy who was telling them what to do and the guys with all the automatic weapons um, in their car. Don't forget, the people they killed at the community center, that was the small attack. They were on their way to do something bigger. We don't know where it was and why and how, but that phone does. And Apple refuses to open it. 
Um, they're claiming, and I've got a whole bunch of law on this if you care about it, um, privacy and that if they open the phone, it'll be open for everybody, and this is the essence of their commercial advantage, which is having the on only unhackable phone in the world. My opinion, and I am an attorney too, but this is not my expertise, I think what Apple should do is call in the FBI and say, okay, you sit in the corner, we'll call you when we break this phone. Okay, the phone's broken, come here, you can see the messages. Got them all, wrote them all down, now get out. And never give up the codes. And then the FBI is desperate to know who they were talking to, then we'll know. And Apple's refusing. It's going to go all the way to the Supreme Court. By then, I'm pretty sure the people they were communicating with are not using those same numbers anymore. And the intelligence in that phone is going to be worthless. So there's one update on this subject that happened this morning. Somebody has come forward. The FBI won't say, it is, say who it is and says, we can break the phone. We don't know who that is. Um, maybe it's Israelis, I don't know, but somebody says they're going to get into the phone for the FBI and they're going to do it covertly and the FBI is going to get the information and Apple's going to be off the hook. Um, I don't know if it's true, but I hope it is. I don't know what the intelligence value is going to be by the time we finally see what's inside of it, but at least we'll have some sort of access. Okay, two more things. Um, ATP, which... Um, Judy mentioned in the beginning as American Truth Project. It's something that I've started. It's my mission for the rest of my career, such as it is. I think there's some scary, scary stuff going on. And what I do when I'm on shows or I write or I do appearances is tell people that it's people like you that need the information so you can go out there and protect the people that are too lazy or too uninformed to know any better. So when you take time out of your day to come do this and get educated, you're, you're a missionary to go out and tell the world, hey, there's stuff going on and we need to get involved and I need you to help and you to help and you to help and that's what I'm doing. So if you signed up, you're part of it and I'd appreciate it. And we're tax deductible, so if you ever give a donation, I'll give you a constitution and I'll write you a little note and say thank you and we'll get the word out. There you go. I want to thank you very much. Uh, let's have a round of applause for Thank you. Republican Women Federated. Uh, appreciate your talk today. I'll come back whenever you want. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Again. Thanks for listening to the American Truth Project, a 501c3 nonprofit. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our social media channels to stay plugged in to the truth. Go to americantruthproject.org and subscribe to our newsletter to stay informed on the latest news.